2: From the fifth quarter studio in Madison, Wisconsin.
1: Madison, Wisconsin.
2: You're listening to the five minute basketball coaching podcast with our host, Steve Collins. Hey, coaches, welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited, excited to join us today on the podcast. Before we jump in, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Like like I've said before, the technology behind this thing, I, I remember old school when they used to have those long metal racks, the ball would go up into this net and would come down this long metal rack. They, the technology and the ability that Dr. Dish does and all the people that work there and the and the things that they give back to the community is second to none. Mention Coach Unplugged, me, Coach Collins, or anybody, and they'll give you $400 off. Also, go over and check out com for coaches who want to get better. It's the one-stop shop. It's got clinics. It's got handouts. It's got uh, breakdowns. It's got on-court things teaching you. You know, I'm not I'm not upselling you. I'm not I'm not doing those kind of things. I'm not paying making you pay for the clinic videos. I'm not making I'm giving you everything that we got to make you a better basketball coach. Along with me, um, someone that's won at the highest level in in the U.S. <laughs> um, been nationally ranked. I want to help you become a better basketball coach, and that's why I started teachhoops.com. That's why I want to help you. Win more basketball games. Go over and check it out. And in closing, if you if you like our other podcasts, five minute basketball coaching podcast, high school hoops funnel down, or this one, go leave a five star review. We really do appreciate that. And let's head off to the podcast.
0: Looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. So, uh, one thing that kind of get into trouble with is like we're fast breaking, fast breaking, and then all of a sudden they start jumping to it, uh, the press, and some of my guards are all at the other end, you know, looking for an outlet for a three. Is there, what's the general rule like, how do you fix that when people are coming off and on you're trying to fast break but you're not setting up your press break like you'd like to
2: so they're leaving after the, the so they're pressing after a miss or a make you're talking about
0: usually after a make
2: yeah i mean they shouldn't be leaving after a make for sure um I use the war analogy. It's like they're running for they're they're not running toward the front line. They're running to they're retreating at that point if they're leaving early. So um, that's just Jake can jump in on this one. Tell me what he thinks. But I that's one thing. I turnovers and people that aren't coming back to the ball when we're getting pressured just drives me bonkers.
0: just that's something they have to be aware of We we push we can we can push it
2: up yeah but it's like you gotta there's times where you gotta come back and help too so i don't i don't remind i don't mind having one or two one guy release sometimes and just letting him go because that can pull that can make the um it depends on who's releasing too uh but sometimes those guys are helpful if it's a big guy they're helpful in breaking the press if it's one of your better ball handlers you definitely don't want them releasing um so you know, I think that's a case by case thing, but I mean, I they got to come back and you got to get on them to come back and help on the press break, especially if they're if they have time to set up their press, then then you better be cutting. You know, so that's fine. It's only eighty four feet. You should be able to run back forty feet and at least help on our press break. Um, I don't know, Jake. What did you do? What did you used to do on that?
1: What's well, what's the question?
0: My question is is as we're trying to push the ball up for a fast break and then the other after i make the other team start pressing so some of my guards are already on the other side of the court is that just something they just have to be aware of just just when they feel the pressure they just got to come back and help
1: yeah but people just i always notice that people kids like to run away from the problem they just, yes. just stand and watch. its it's um i think it's something that you have to emphasize in practice and uh, it's a group mentality, so like I think it's something that you need to emphasize and practice and if you notice it happen one or two times, I think you make the team run so I think you're leaving out people out to dry
2: yeah, you gotta that's gotta be something you're on, it's like well, we wanna run, but we can't run we just they just scored we gotta be able to get back and um and help our own guys so I mean, yeah, I would, that would be, that would be a battle that, you know, you got to pick your battles. You fight with them sometimes. I think yeah, that's the other, a...
1: the other thing is too, is you, when you become a running team, you tend to be not as great as a rebounding team. Cause the kids want to out out leak, leak early. So you got to be very careful. You know, kids get really happy about getting spread on the floor, but they're not getting the rebound first. So you really have to dive into rebounding too, if you're going to really push the basketball. Right. Okay. All
0: right, cool. No, that, that's very helpful. And so I just had two more questions that then okay. I haven't guys uh, go uh, is do you have a general rule on is there a certain person that you have stop ball whenever the other teams push it up as a general rule or is it just whoever's closest they just have to communicate when you're trying to get back on defense I mean do, do you have do you have like one person do, like you talk about building the wall do you have everybody sprint back and then one person stop the ball and everybody pick up or what's the, what's the rule for stopping the crash um I
2: I will I will have um yeah i will have them come back and protect the protect the paint and then the usually it's a top guy it doesn't necessarily have to be one specific guy to come back and protect um yeah i mean i i i would I, whoever top guy is tends to be the guy i have come and protect um yeah i don't have much more to add to that what do you think um
1: uh, I think it's something that you need to practice because I think you can designate someone, but I often think it's more fe- effective to have the top guy get back. Um, but it's something that you definitely need to practice um, because some of those mistakes will happen early in the season when you won't get guys back and you give up easy buckets.
0: So it's yeah. definitely
1: something that's worth practicing, which you can do other things within practicing that, but it's a good point about emphasis and it can be taught with, through other ways of, um, what I like to call it like, progression. So you might go five or six lengths down the court and, you know, evaluate that and keep going with that. So it's something you have to, you have to teach a little bit. Gotcha. So you're just, you're just all sprinting back and hivers at the top. Is-
2: yep. Your- and it's usually going to be a guard to be on the top, yeah. to be honest with you. So.
0: Gotcha. Okay. okay. And uh, one last one is, um, do you ever use like a hand signals for slips? Like, um, like maybe instead of holding the fist up and coming setting a ball screen, like holding a, um, an open hand or something to let them know that you're going to slip? Or do you do, you, do you do signs at all like that or no?
2: I use signs like open hand, fists and stuff for our offense because I want my point guard to be able to do it on the fly. Um, you know, like fist, open hand, thumbs up. Something they can do with dribbling one hand. Dribbling with the ball in one hand and doing it another hand. So I don't like numbers because like one could be one shot. Um. So I do fist hand. Um. Yeah. If you if if you want to do that, I mean that you're definitely getting to a different different level when you do that. Um, as far as complexity, if you're going to talk about how to slip or how to you know those kind of things, I use that. I do that by game to game basis. Some games will some how we handle things and how we do things depends on the opponent. Um, so that varies a little bit for me. I don't know if you ever done hand signals like that, Jake.
1: No, it's like extremely a cool idea, Um, but I even think at high school, if you can just do a call out and just do everybody's, everybody's slips, I just think it's easier. I don't think you have to make it that complex. I think with, uh, um, with your guard play and so forth, if you just had a signal where you were doing consistent slips, you're going to get easy buckets. Um, I don't think you have to go that extravagant. I think if you focus on just setting really good screens and then once you execute that and then have that call of slipping, it's going to be fine. You don't even have to make it that complex. I think it'd be easier if you just focus on setting a good screen and then, all right, so they're really, um, they're judging our screen this way. So we can totally now slip. So when I make this call, I want to see slips every time or, you know,
0: That's a great idea. So if I see the other team, they're switching on every screen and we're not getting anything out of it. Yeah. Just,
2: just do a mass, do the mass thing. It's easier that way. Yeah, I agree. That That's a good and, point. And,
1: in three or four years, if you're continuously running motion, um, and I came from a high school that, that's all we ran. I mean, after six, seven years running a flex into a, a pure motion, I mean, you can just run a good motion and throw slips and all the time and people read that. But if this is your first year running a, a true motion or a true reading react with slipping, you're better off just doing a call. I think if you, if you continually run that system for multiple years, I think you can just have your guys read it. You know, they'll be able to make that read. And they might be able to do that right uh, uh, late in the season, but having that call in the, your back pocket is great. But to say you can't build on it where players make those calls themselves, I think they can totally do it at the high school level. Gotcha.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that was uh, something that really made, it, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, cool. Hey, thanks, guys. That, that's yep. all I have for you guys. I appreciate all
2: right. you. No problem. All right, see ya. Cool. See ya. Bye. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like. Uh, make sure you go over and check us out on YouTube. Teach hoops on YouTube. Um, it's a great channel. Always putting new videos up there. Also make sure you go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Do You want to win that conference championship? Do you want to win that state championship? Do you want to win that tournament? Let me help you do that. Go over and check it out. Have a great day.
1: Sports social podcast network.